Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey, everybody. This episode is supported by a guy named Dano. And here are three fun facts about him. One, his favorite tree is the Japanese maple. Good choice. Two, he lives in Denver. So his Japanese maple kept dying. Uh, so he put them in pots and they go in the garage now in the winter so that they don't they don't freeze to death. And three, he is the co-founder and designer of an app called Hectic. That's H-E-C-T-I-C. A feeling we've all experienced. Hectic wants to make it easy for freelancers like myself to handle the business side of things. The part we all hate. It's awful. Because you might be a great writer or developer or designer or photographer or video editor like me. But that doesn't mean that you enjoy or feel comfortable or feel that you're good at doing business stuff. I'm talking about things like sending proposals, tracking time, project management, sending invoices, all the worst aspects of being a creative. If Hectic can make those things easier, that means the freelancer can feel better about running their business and just focus on what they do best, being creative. Visit hecticapp.com. Check it out. That's H-E-C-T-I-C-A-P-P.com. Thanks, Dano. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Completely Arbitrary. I am but one of your hosts. My name is Alex Croson. Oh, I'm the other one. I'm Casey Clapp. We made it to week two. We did. Wow. Two full weeks this is so exciting. of for, this podcast. For those of you who are still here with us, uh, thank you. Yeah, thanks for coming back. First and foremost, I hope that we have at least three of you left by the end of next week. I think we should have at least three listeners. <laughs> you, so. me. My mom. There we go. There's yeah, three. We, we got it. Easy. <laughs> it's the only thing I listen to when I drive around. It's just your sweet voice. Oh, that's so nice. I do want to say uh, we announced our podcast yesterday. Um, yes. And we are so happy and grateful for... The fucking outpouring of people who are excited for this. Oh my God, you guys, I can't tell you how thankful, excited, all these things. Like, it's just the the outreach of support has been exciting. So, Alex and I, I, I'll speak for myself. Mm. I am absolutely inspired, mostly because people want to hear so much about trees and listen to your just swooning voice, you know, just take them wherever they want to go. I don't know if I would use the word inspired for myself, but. Uh, I would probably say I'm more uh, nervous oh. because I know that people are actually going to be listening there to this There are actual thing. listeners out there. Someone's yeah. expecting to hear your voice once a week for approximately three months at a time. Yeah, that, that's not good for my anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Case, um, let's let's talk about uh, what, what, what tree are we going to talk about this week? Okay, today we're going to talk about the Oregon white oak. Ooh. 
Two reasons. One, it's easy. It's another low-hanging fruit because it's right outside. I think I saw several today. Yeah. Well, it's outside for us. It is, yeah. Uh, Well, And all the rest of you Oregonians out there. Which actually... I knew this is uh, this is actually those good tangent into not a tangent a segue mm. right into the first thing that I want to talk about okay. with the name of this tree. Interesting. So last week we kind of talked a little bit about the rivalries, you know, but at that point it was between who's got the biggest tree. Oh, between Washington, Canada, Oregon, Oregon yeah, exactly, right. California. Also, you know, we're all there. If okay. they're native species to this mm-hmm. sort of the West Coast area, however. There is a bone that I have to pick Uh-oh. about this tree. So the scientific name is Quercus Gariana. I know this because I looked it up beforehand. Oh, wait. How many of you went out and watched uh, Alex's um, Your Tree, uh, The Life of Trees? Oh, I hope nobody. Oh, God. Everyone, go out and find it. No, I'll no, tell no, you no, how no, to look no. it up. No, no. <laughs> Follow me. DM me, and I'll tell you how Delete to find it. Delete it from the internet forever. <laughs> Don't you do that. That's on my resume. Yeah, but Quercus. Quercus Gariana. Quercus is the Latin word for oak. So apparently um, the Romans used to call them Quercus or Quercitron. Hmm. But so Quercus is the oaks. That's the genus. Of course, the genus being sort of the common, uh, the generic name, as you will, okay. as it were. And it, Gariana is named after um, a guy. He was, uh, it was named by David Douglas and it was a guy named Nicholas Gary. He was the director of the Hudson's Bay Company over in Canada, Eastern Canada. One second. Yeah. David Douglas? Yes. Is this not the same gentleman who named the Douglas fir? That guy's prolific. He's wow. named just about everything. There's a Douglas squirrel, David Douglas, the high school here oh in town. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So he's all over the this place. He's been around. He really has been. In fact, well, I, I I have to remember if it was him or a different guy, but one day we'll have to do, maybe this will be a Patreon episode. Mm. We'll just talk about the history of David Douglas, the dude. Okay. I don't want to give it away, but I'm pretty sure he was like, he died in Hawaii in a really weird way. Like, you know, when those, they would put leaves, like in the cartoons, you'd make a trap. You put oh, sticks yeah. and like put leaves over it. Mm-hmm. Then an animal runs through and falls into that trap. He fell into one of those. I'm pretty sure that he fell into that. We'll have the producers look it up. Are we going to get David Douglas canceled? <laughs> I'm hopefully, I'm hoping that we're going to get David Douglas on the show. I, I think he'd be a good interview, actually. <laughs> the ghost of David Douglas. Yeah, the ghost of David Douglas. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be fun. Okay, sorry. I keep I That's keep okay. I keep pushing you off the off the tracks here. So this is so people call it, um, especially Canadians and Washingtonians, not to lump you two together, but you, know, you guys both call it the Gary Oak. Right. We call it down here in the Great Pacific Northwestern state of Oregon, the Oregon White Oak. <laughs> Most people in the world, if you go down to California, they also say, oh yeah, that's the Oregon White Oak. If hmm. you go elsewhere in um, in the, the United States, I guess, or just in North America, they'll probably also call it something in between, but leaning towards Gary Oak. Interesting. I hate that. That's why that's in this episode title, it will be called the Oregon White Oak. The Oregon White Oak, capital O. So Casey, let's say I'm out in the woods yeah. of Oregon. Uh and I come across an Oregon white oak. How do I know that it's an Oregon white oak? What does it look like? Uh, what does it smell like? Talk about the leaves, the eight, the, I'm assuming, I actually, I'm assuming, I did my research here. It has acorns. Yes, you're right. All right, hit us. Okay, so every oak tree, uh, rather, the fruit of a tree, this is kind of a, you know, we're just going to, you know, we'll, we'll gloss over this for a second, but the fruit of a plant or the flowers, that's what will make it into the uh, the kind of 
plant that it is. So the sexual reproductive reproductive parts. Okay. That's how we classify things, especially in the um, in the plant world. So if it has all the kinds of flowers and all the kinds of fruit together, then that's going to be the same thing. So pine cones always come from pine trees, et cetera, et cetera. So acorns always come from oak trees. Okay. And the Oregon white oak is called specifically a white oak for two main reasons. You're walking through the woods, you see you see a bunch of acorns on the ground. You're like, wow, look at that. There must be an, an oak tree around here somewhere. Mm-hmm. And you look up and you see leaves on this big, gigantic tree because they're usually either really scrubby trees in like the dry sort of southwest um, or as you go kind of north, you get into uh, the... Um, Great Plains, the eastern United States, and then our only oak over here, one of like three at most that are growing as trees, Oregon white oak, you get, um, you start to find these really big, massive, gorgeous trees. Oak trees are known as like these majestic creatures. So you're walking through the woods, you look up, and you see all of a sudden this Oregon white oak, and it has these rounded, lobed, oak-like leaves. So the leaves, they're all alternately arranged, so you're never going to find them opposite, but their buds, right at the tip of the twigs, are always usually really clustered together. So you could think, oh, maybe those are oppositely or alternately arranged on the the twig, which is just basically you see a a twig on one side or you see a bud on one side, you go up the twig and then you see a bud on the opposite side. If they're right opposite each other, right at the same little spot, those would be considered oppositely arranged, whereas alternately arranged means you have one on the left, one on the right, one on the left, one on the right, one one on the left. The Oregon white oak or white oaks or oaks in general, they're always going to be the alternate pattern, right? Okay. But here's what here's what I'm getting at is the oaks are such a big massive group of plants that they have actually got two or three subfamilies within them. So there's the red oak or the black oak group hmm. and then there's the white oak group. We are talking about the white oak group. So it has leaves that have rounded lobes. So every single white oak that you see will have lobes at the end of each vein as you look at the leaf and each one will have a rounded end as opposed to a red oak that had very sharp bristle to- or bristle ah, bristle tips. Interesting. Yeah. So if you look up the uh, let's say the northern red oak, which yeah, is gonna, Quercus gonna, rubra. Yeah. yeah, check that out. The Quercus rubra, Oregon red oak, that one has all these little points on the ends of each one of its leaves. Oh yes it does. So you're walking around First thing, you're only going to find this tree over here on the Pacific West or the the Pacific Coast. Oh, interesting. It grows from like middle of California all the way up, and it used to go up to like Vancouver Island, and it goes inland a couple different places where it can kind of sneak over the east side of the Cascade Range, but Hmm. most of the time, it's going to be 100% on the west side. If you're looking at it from a distance, does it kind of does it kind of look like one of the, like a big round tree? Oh, it does. It's perfect. It looks like a perfect globe. Like you get a big mature one, yeah. or funny enough, a big group of them, and they always have the same exact pattern when they get mature, where it's just this big, perfect, like almost like you have a biodome set on top mm. of a bunch of stems of trees. They're gorgeous. They have really kind of um, their bark has. Uh, kind of like squarish, um, uh, I guess they'd be kind of platey, squarish, yeah. really hard. Like plate armor, like yeah. chain mail or something. Exactly, and really kind of fine. And they grow up, and as they get bigger and bigger, they start to develop this very rounded crown. But their limbs, their their actual stems and limbs and big scaffold limbs, like every single one will be really kind of twisted and curvy. You almost never see it like a lot of the eastern oaks where they have these big, arching, long, straight branches. 
the Oregon white oak, all their branches almost look like somewhat corkscrewy. Interesting. It's it's a divine, divine appearance. It's, it's a just great, gorgeous. It's a great sitting tree. Good it's, tree to sit in. Oh, it's the best. A couple friends of mine, uh, when we were at the U of O, I think you actually know half these people. We oh, had wow. a tree band where we just rode our bikes oh, yeah. and we threw them all through our bikes and like played music underneath a bunch of Oregon white oaks because wow. they're so delightful. Yeah, they're very inviting. So here's the last bit. Um, the leaves, they're only, they're fairly small, rounded lobes. Mm-hmm. They're simple leaves. They're not compound or fancy or anything. But their acorns, like all white oaks, will mature in one season. So in the spring, the flowers come out. In the fall, you have an acorn. Hmm. The red oak or the black oak group, those ones have acorns that start fall year one. Or I'm sorry, spring year one flower. Over the next two years, those acorns will mature. So the second year, fall, those acorns will be ready to go. They'll okay. mature and they'll actually come out of the tree, land on the ground. I say this, this is important because it really is the differentiator between, again, when we look at different kinds of um, trees and plants and what families are they in, are they all one kind of oak family or are there separate individual families? Are they different species? These kinds of things. We look at the fruit. So one fruit of all or uh, the fruit of all one kind of those trees take two years. The fruit of all the other kinds of trees take only one year. And then they have, you know, those split things. And there's a couple other small characteristics um, that kind of help you differentiate. But what's interesting about this is that these, because they have this, it's called a mast year, where all of a sudden you have every, you know, two years, let's say every tree is on the same cycle. You have two years, every two years, you just get this dumping of acorns, right? Hmm. And then you have all these squirrels and all these animals and all these animals are running around. They're like, oh my God, there's a shit ton of acorns. I'm going to get so fat. I'm going to have 600 babies. Yeah. Then the next year you only get half of as many because all the white oaks are the only ones putting out acorns every single year. Oh. Then all of a sudden everyone's like, whoa, I had a bunch of, had a bunch of food last year. Where's it all at? Then you have this dive in the population of say squirrels. So then all these squirrels can't make it through that winter. They can't find enough acorns. They perish. The next year, you get that second flush because now it's been a year. Oh, Alex is frowning. Oh. I don't like the idea of a bunch of squirrels perishing. I'm so sorry. That's okay. Let's say they don't. It's nature. They don't perish. They they become a part of the cycle again. That's nice. Yeah. Okay. All right. So the second year... Sorry. I feel like if we were drinking beers right now, we'd have to like pour one out for a squirrel or yeah, something. Yeah, poor squirrels. Poor squirrels in these mashes. It's especially cruel because, you know, they get a taste of that sweet acorn oh, life the on the red oak year. Acorn. And then they're no. like rubbing their little their little paws together the next yeah. year and like, here it comes. Yeah. I yeah. got 30 babies to feed. <laughs> 300 babies. And then... And they get half nothing. as much. It's like yeah. a cruel Aesop fable. Well, so here is uh, here's where I think this actually gets really fun and really fascinating. Okay. So yes, cruel perhaps for the squirrel, mm-hmm. but let's switch our perspective here and look at the tree's perspective. Okay. So year is one. Bunch of acorns come out, right? Yeah. All of a sudden, these uh, these squirrels are living the high life. But what are they doing? What are they eating? I think I may know this. Yes? They are not 
they're eating the seeds. Yes, right? which are acorns. Acorns are the seeds. That's the fruit. Oh, so inside okay. of each acorn, if you take the cap off, right. I, I'm, I'm going to act like you take the cap off and you pour the fruit out. Yeah. It's not how they work. They're kind of enclosed. Oh, okay. they're, they're technically <laughs> nuts. But if you break that nut open, there's yeah. a meaty, like like a walnut, where you have a walnut and then you break it open, you have like that fleshy bit inside that you mm-hmm. eat. Same thing with acorns. But that is also the seed. So it lands, the seed itself will pop open, and then a little cotyledon, is what it's called, comes out and it starts growing in the ground. You have a new little oak tree. Mm-hmm. So if all these squirrels eat a ridiculous amount of acorns that those trees that last year or the last two years have been putting all of their efforts into to make as much and the best fruit for their new brood as they can. They're, you know, each seed, you basically imagine it having an embryo with its lunch next to it. That's what a, how a book described it. Interesting. It's a little baby, and then you pack a lunch with it, you stick it inside an acorn, and you give it to the world. The squirrels, they'll go grab it, and squirrels will go store them everywhere. (laughs) Actually, we're going to do a real quick tangent. You know what I heard about squirrels? I have yet to be able to actually 100% prove this or read it. So maybe I'll look it up, and if I find find actual facts that talk about this, I'm going to post it. Squirrels do not remember where they put their hidden things. They just look where they think a squirrel would have hidden that thing. <laughs> so, so every single squirrel is just hiding things everywhere. Then they were like, oh, shit, where's my acorns? Well, if I was a squirrel, where yeah. would I hide it? <laughs> I just thought that was the funniest thing. So if you want to. That's wanna, amazing. Yeah. So squirrels just think like squirrels. Well, That's the facts. It that makes, we it makes sense, though, that, that like it doesn't matter either way, right? Like yeah. they're going to hide it where a squirrel would hide it. So when they go to look for it, they look where a squirrel would hide it. Yeah, they don't work, need right? to remember where it is. Exactly. Brilliant little little brilliant. things. Is it either it's either complete stupidity or complete brilliance? I think it, I think it might be they might be secret geniuses. I think you're probably right. I'd like to have a maybe a full episode where we talk about squirrels. I love squirrels. I don't you do. Yeah, I don't know much about them. Oh my gosh! I'm but so sorry. anytime I see one, I turn into a, a little kid. I'm like, oh my god, a squirrel! And no like, way. I love the way they. They hop, remember, okay, so yesterday, or a couple days ago, Casey and I were out and about, and we saw a squirrel that jumped probably a foot and a half in the air. Yeah, something like that. And didn't really go anywhere. It wasn't no. jumping forward. It was only jumping up. It was like a, it like it got spooked by something. Yeah. Maybe it jumped a foot in the air, but only like three inches forward. They're just so cute. <laughs> Except well, the thing that was so striking is that it didn't like act afraid afterwards. It was more like wah, and then just continued on its merry way. It just, just immediately forgot what scared <laughs> yeah, it. Exactly. It, it only gets scared by things that scare squirrels. Right. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Oh, squirrels. <laughs> so, I love squirrel talk. All right, keep going. So from the tree's perspective, the squirrels are taking all the acorns and they're hiding them. And then they bury them in the ground. Yeah. If they remember or any of the squirrels find where those acorns are, they eat that acorn. If they don't, then that acorn is basically literally planted by the squirrel that's a good thing it's a great thing except when you um there's graphs that you can see that follow these trajectories so you have a high mast year is what it's called then you get a bunch of acorns then the next year you get a huge boost in or that same year i guess maybe that spring that fall you get this big boost in squirrels because they had a lot of food then that next year the following year 
This is the middle between the, the big mast seasons. Then you have a low mast season, but a lot of squirrels. So you have lower food, a bunch of squirrels, and you get a plummet in the squirrel population. Then the next year, there's a bunch more acorns. Then the squirrels collect them all. They plant them all, but there's not as many squirrels to eat all those acorns. Mm -hmm. So now this tree is playing the long game. It's like, no, 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 no. I'm going to do this, have this weird cycle. And some trees do it. Certain... Uh, Sometimes trees have really big mast years and then sometimes they take a few years and then they start the cycle again. So it's not quite cut and dry. You know, every two years, all the trees do this. You they know? might miss a season. Yeah, for whatever reason. Maybe okay. it was too hot, too cold, too stressed. You know, Interesting. Not okay. stressed enough. Um, so what you end up happening or have happened is one year, big squirrel population, no acorns, no babies. All the acorns are eaten. You get no baby trees. The next year, the following year, as everything crashes and then comes back up, all of a sudden you get a bunch of acorns planted all over the place. Uh. And now you have these just massive population booms of little teeny tiny oak trees. Wow. So if you think about it, yes, the tree is kind of doing a bait and switch with those squirrels. It is. But one year, squirrels great thumbs up. Everyone's having a great time. Yeah. But that year, that same year, that tree's like, oh, all my effort. Is completely ruined. So the next year, the, it switches, and the trees or the trees are like, "Yeah, it was a great year. I got a bunch of bunch of new little acorns growing around here." Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, I got oak trees growing, not acorns. But then, all of a sudden, you have uh, not as many squirrels. So you get this kind of like um, the graph is always one one thing shoots up, then the other thing follows, then one drops, then the other drops, and so you see this this rise and this fall over time of these populations, and that's just this balance. So hmm. who is controlling whom, I think, is really the question that we have to ask here. That's really interesting. Yeah, the, the squirrel is sort of at the tree's whim. Yeah, but at the same time, the tree is at the squirrel's whim because if it just right. drops its acorns all the time or it goes through, say, the gut of a you know any other animal, then you're not going to have them be planted. Deers yeah. don't plant acorns. They eat them, digest them, and then there's nothing that comes out that can grow. They need each other, right? Isn't, yeah. that, isn't that like a super common thing in nature? Like symbiosis. Symbiosis. Yeah. Uh, bees and flowers. Exactly, yeah. Um, but it's deer the, and blackberries. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not humans and blackberries. At least not over here. Man, they hurt. I only like blackberries one time a year, late July and August. Hmm. Are Other, they best in late July and August? That's when the berries are there and you can actually eat them. Oh, oh. For those of many people may not know this. If you're not listening here in the Pacific Northwest, blackberries, the Himalayan blackberry is a voracious weed. It's all over the place. It yeah. grows like six feet tall, makes these gigantic thickets, but has delicious berries. Yeah, it's so, worth it's like, it. Oh, you think so? Especially if you don't own land with blackberry bushes on them, and you can <laughs> yeah. just walk by and pick <laughs> them for three pick hours. Them on the roadside. So there's one other thing, Alex, about the white oak that I think everyone should know. Okay. White oaks are specifically the kinds of oaks used whenever you're using something in that's making a barrel, doing cooperage. So you make whiskey, you make wine, oh. you do anything that's inside of a barrel that is in a white oak barrel. Interesting. Not a red oak. The reason for that is this last thing. We were talking about it earlier. Do you remember the word? Uh, one second. I'm accessing my RAM. 
we were uh, when, the last time he couldn't remember it, and he said the funniest word. I don't remember what it was, but I laughed. Oh, that word. Um, no, he's not going to do it. No, I can't. <laughs> Dang. All right, tylosis. Ty- I, I was going to say it sounds like symbiosis. Yeah, but it's it, not. yeah. It always reminds me of like a, a Game of Thrones. The it's like a name of some big family. Tylo. Did you yeah. say tylosis? Tylosis. Tylosis yeah, Lannister. Plural. Yeah. Yeah. Tylosis. <laughs> Okay, so the 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 last thing that I think is really cool about white oaks is that they have what's called tight or closed tyloses. As a tree ages, it has young wood and old wood. As the young wood becomes old wood, sap wood becomes heartwood. It starts adding in all these different chemicals and these different um, sort of organs grow grow out and kind of block up the cell. These cells that usually would transport water up and down called vessels. So over time, to make it so that those trees are the heartwood is less susceptible to decay. White oaks fill them up with these tight tyloses and they basically block all these vessels so no water can move up and down, which also coincidentally will stop decay from going up and down into a tree as well. Hmm. And if you cut the wood down and you turn it into a, a whiskey barrel, it won't let any water out because it is closed. If you do the same exact thing with a black oak, any of these red oaks, black oaks, anything like that. Yeah. It'll leak out. It'll leak out and you'll, you'll end up having a barrel that's like half full by the end of it because it literally just leaked out onto the floor through these microscopic vessel pores within the wood itself. Huh. Fascinating, isn't it? That is super fascinating. Yeah. So if so that if changes your, uh, your review, oh, it, saying. I think it, I think it improves my rating there if I'm honest. I, that's good to know if I'm ever making barrels, I know to, to look for a white oak and I can yeah. maybe impress somebody if I ever go to a distillery be like, Oh, I see all your barrels are uh, white oak. And they'll be like, yeah. yeah, that's the only one you use. Dumb shit. Yeah. <laughs> all right, case. Okay. Let's get to our rating. All right. I will start with my rating Yeah, what and do you then, got? We'll, then we'll move to you. I think white oaks are phenomenal trees. Oh my God. I do not use that word lightly. No. In fact, I think this is the first time I've ever heard you say it ever. I think it may, may be one of the first times I've ever said it to anyone about anything. What? Yeah. All right. The the Oregon white oak is phenomenal. I think it's a phenomenal tree. All right. Why? I love its character. I love the story you told me about the squirrels. That's very cool. Mm-hmm. I I love the the symbiosis there. Yeah. I like that I I I am uh I don't drink anymore. I don't drink alcohol anymore, but I do appreciate that you can use them to make beer and, and wine also? I think so. Yeah, because you, you you put it in there. Yeah, yeah Why not? Fr- You use French oaks, uh, which Ooh. I think is really, they just call it the common oak over there. Ooh la la. Yeah, Quercus rober. Quercus. Oh, yeah. that was the other thing. <gasps> the, other, the other thing weighing into my decision is that mm. I like that it's called Quercus <laughs> because to me, Quercus sounds like a cartoon scientist, and I think that's funny. <laughs> so my rating out of 10 Golden Cones of Honor Oh, I forgot to introduce this whole this whole concept. Oh, let me let me do this now, and we'll maybe splice it in, or we might be too lazy, and it'll just <laughs> it'll happen just now. Just be in here. We rate trees from zero to ten golden cones of honor based on a myriad of factors. Um, Several. Oh, it's 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 a complex algorithm. You know what? It's actually I think it's myriad factors. Myriad is an adjective, not actually, a noun. I believe it's both. I looked is this up really? one time, and someone said you can use it in both. Forms. I give that uh, uh, gr- grammatical fact a 10 out of 10. That's our first 10, you guys. It's yeah. not even a tree. Yeah. Okay. Um, what do you got? So I I love this tree. I might be going... No, you know what? I'm not going to second guess myself. I'm giving this thing a nine 
golden cones of honor what? out of 10. 9.0, an 9. exact 0. number. Oh my God. I think it's fantastic. I love these trees. This is this is one of, I mean, it's good that we did this second episode because this is one of the very few trees I have an opinion about. Yeah. And I think they're awesome. It's a high opinion, I have to say. Yeah. Well. They're so friendly. They really are. They're inviting and friendly and round and soft and- Ugh. That's true. A little like me. <laughs> All right, Case. Hit us with your review. Okay. So here is I honestly I'm as as I've been going through this, I, I'm kind of on your same page. Nice. I I don't necessarily I'd have to say, I wouldn't say inviting. That's not the term I would use. Hmm. I would use just glorious. Like if you are ever driving around town here in Portland and you get the opportunity to look up heritage trees, look up the Oregon white oak heritage trees. They are some of the most stunning trees in the city, Mm. bar none. I say that flat out, 100%. They are, they have the most capacious canopy. There's one that's growing on a corner of uh, uh, Overton and 23rd, Northwest Portland. This is hyper specific. When you see this tree, you need to see this tree, whoever you are, wherever you are. It has branches that go about I think about 50 feet, like across the road wow. over and shade the other sidewalk. We That's should how go big see this it tree together. Is. Well, we'll, we'll say, we'll take some pictures and, and we'll post it so everyone can see oh, it. Oh, great. Um, so having said that, mm-hmm. they are one of the most beautiful, my top favorite oak species in the entire world. I'm saying that to everyone over there in the East Coast where there's like 30 different oak species just, you know, in North Carolina. I think there's like 36 or 32. Jeez. There are, it is... I think maybe only second to the, you know, a couple of oaks like the can or the live oaks down in, in Georgia, you know, with all the moss hanging on them. Mm. So that, not to mention, they are just a, a gem because they are so rare. Most of their habitat has been completely lost. So mm. my rating is on sort of the, it's kind of like the rarity, you know, it's like, you know, a scarcity concept where the biggest, best ones are so unique and so amazing to where they just, they, they carry the weight. They really, they're the, they're the curve busters I that see. pull everything up on yeah. the bell curve here. So if it was me, I, you see, you gave it a nine. That's a really intense. Mm-hmm. I was going to go with eight, eight, 8.7. I was going to, I just said eight and a half, but that, that wasn't, that's, that's not real. 8.7. 8.7. Yeah. A so great score. I think 8.7 and nine is, that's, that's pretty good. Wait, for, 8.7 what? You, oh, golden cones of honor. Right. Sorry. Okay. I yes. thought that was, I'm so sorry. I just want to clarify for everybody. That is the metric that we're judging these trees. Yeah. If you want to know anything about it, please ask. My one contribution to this podcast is <laughs> yeah, other than you've done nothing. That is not true, everyone. All right. That was our review of the I almost called it the Gary White Oak. Oh my God. That was I our almost, re- you you have heard me storming out of this place <laughs> right then. That was our review of the Oregon White Oak. The Oregon White Oak. Well done, Oregon White Oak. We love you. Casey, let's move on to our completely arbitrary Q&A, and let's snag a question from a listener, which I was gobsmacked when we got like 8 million questions. That's an overstatement. We got like 100 and some questions. I think amazing. It, was, yeah. it might as well be 8 million. It's incredible. It was, it was a lot. I've spent a lot of time going yeah. through these, trying to figure out which ones are... Which ones are which and who wrote them? And The cool yeah. thing about Casey's personality, um, he's such a sweet guy. If you sent us a question, he did read it. He didn't ignore anybody. 
there's yeah i i try my best and sometimes they're they're quick like yes other times i i really i think there if there's some people that have followed me i think i've sent back like almost too long where i think like whoa uh we, we don't we don't need to know anymore stop talking yeah <laughs> like six more paragraphs well that doesn't sound like you okay alex here's a question this comes from, I believe, Rory Lee Sleeps. Hi, Rory Lee Sleeps. Hey, Rory or Rory Lee. We don't know if that's a compound name or not. Sleeps? Yeah. So here's the question. Oak trees. Why so many? Why are there so many oak trees? And the answer, the best answer that I've been able to find has been basically, it's kind of a, an easy answer. They are so adaptable, hmm. number one, where there are evergreen species. There are species that grow as gigantic trees. There are trees that are, or there are species that grow only as shrubs. They grow all the way down through Mexico, all the way up into uh, Canada, all the way across Europe, anywhere where they're kind of temperate, you'll find oak trees. But the other thing that makes them extremely unique and adaptable trees is not only that they can slow, they can grow in almost any different condition at different elevations, you know, like I said, evergreen versus not evergreen. So they'll drop their leaves if they have to, they'll keep them if they have to, but they are, they are, they provide this acorn and acorns are absolutely hugely nutritious and hugely important to ecosystems where they're at, where it used to be, um, before the Westerners came over, um, it was an important food source for many native Americans where they would have to, um, beat the acorns down into, uh, basically a flower and they would eat that kind of wrap it in berries and things. And it's super nutritious. So animals, um, turkeys all the time love acorns. They would provide this really nice meal, high quality, and then they would get spread throughout the world. And they have been in, um, actually here in Oregon, we only have now three real tree species, but 500, I think, I think it was like 580 million years ago. I think of 80 million years ago, maybe there were, um, oak trees that were growing in a completely different habitat all throughout our state, which now that area is a desert, but there's fossilized oak trees that used to grow here. So they've been around for a long time and they give, they worked with animals really early on by making these insanely nutritious meals. So Mm. animals ate them and then spread them. And then they took over everywhere they possibly could, and then slowly but surely found every little niche diversified into different species, and now you have different species that grow in almost every different location and different situations. Wow. Burr oaks, which are in the middle of the plains, these gigantic big oaks that just are solitary. Then you have the oak forests over in North Carolina. You go into the Great Smoky Mountains National Park, and there are just oak trees, and you can find different species of oaks at different levels, where if you're at the highest, you'll find a certain species. You go down mid-elevation, completely different species. Interesting. Bottomland species that grow with their feet in soil or in water, that kind of thing. In that, in that circumstance, do they kind of grow together also? I mean, I'm assuming there's yeah. some overlap. They're not like, there's not like a hard line. Oh, yeah. Where, okay. Yeah, it's like, oh, for me, you know, at certain elevations, you see that change, that transition to different species. Kind of like, great. you know, here we see it with Douglas fir, and then it goes to, <laughs> was that? <laughs> Our producers, my God. <laughs> Our producer uh, is a dog, and he just he gagged on something. It's like a big yawn gag. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> anyway, let's. We don't even know if we can, we got to keep that in. So, uh, yeah, so it's, it's like a, um, you know, one is just better at competing because it's better at adapted at a little bit colder temperatures, maybe a little bit more snow, maybe it can take a little less water, that kind of thing. But I think the Oregon white oak is another great example of a super adaptable tree. It can grow in what used to be in the Willamette Valley. It was a 
uh, a wet prairie. So during this time of season, the wintertime, it's literally underwater. And then in the summertime, it's completely dry, like bone dry. And that tree, the same tree can handle both situations. But the trick is it can only do it if it's always been doing it. If you change it and you take it from always living in a dry spot and then add water to it, it'll get decay and die. Hmm. You take it from an always wet spot and dry it out, it'll die. But it can immediately adapt to that immediate surrounding and just kick it for 300 years. To me, this is all just more reason to love oak trees. <laughs> yeah. I, Casey, yeah. I have an announcement. <gasps> what? I, Alex Croson, self-proclaimed tree skeptic, okay. may have a favorite tree. You're fucking cute. Or type of tree. A genus? Is genus, that, that's may, it, yeah. I may have oh a favorite genus God. of tree, and it is the oak. This is only episode two, and you're using scientific terms. I'm Quer- so Quercus forever, right? Yeah, all right, that's great. Well, congratulations. I'm getting that on a t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, we started this podcast because I had too many favorite trees and too many trees that I hated, or at least wanted to talk about its demerits. Yeah. And so I can't believe that now I have one convert that I can claim, yeah. which is my great friend, Alex. Alex, who now you have yeah. a favorite tree, a favorite type of tree. I have a favorite type of, a favorite genus of tree. My heart is full. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> Thank you for the question. Uh, what was this person's name? Rory Lee Sleeps. Thanks, Rory Lee Sleeps. Thanks we'll, for the question. I we'll hope we, yeah. I hope Casey answered it. I'm sure he did. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you everybody for listening. Uh, we can't wait to do this again. We will see you next week. Goodbye. Arbitrary is produced by Alex Croson and Casey Clapp. Our production consultant is Olivia Frankie. Our artwork is by Jillian Barthold, and our music is by the Mini Vandals. Thanks for listening.